You are listening to The Political Periscope, a weekly podcast brought to you by Radio WNET. Interviews on international politics, security, geopolitics, economy and more, every Thursday at 7pm. Today's guest of The Political Periscope is Her Excellency Nargis Gurbanova, Ambassador Extraordinary and Plenipotentiary of the Republic of Azerbaijan to the Republic of Poland. Political Periscope In famous Polish novel by Stefan Żeromski, Przedwiośnie, Early Spring, main character Cezary Baryka lives in Baku. I suppose it means there are some strong historical connections between Azerbaijan and Poland. What are those connections? You're absolutely right. And in fact, to begin with, I'm right now reading the English version of this amazing book, a fascinating description of the uh, region, of the times back then. I'm very happy and proud to say that the relationship between Poland and Azerbaijan began six centuries ago, when in 1472, the ruler, Azerbaijani ruler uh, of the state, uh, Argonyullu Uzun Hassan, dispatched his envoy to uh, European countries, including um, uh, to the Kingdom of Poland, uh, and he started communicating with uh, King uh, Kazimierz IV Jagiellon uh, with uh, an idea to forge an alliance. And uh, copies of this correspondence have survived to the present day. Um, later, uh, many Polish military servicemen were exiled to the Caucasus region, sent into exile um, as uh, because of their participation in uprisings against the Russian Empire. Um, a little bit further in history, in the early 20th century, as uh, Baku, due to the oil boom, has turned into the Paris of the Caucasus, a huge influx of people from Uh, all over the region uh, started coming uh, to Baku because back then we produced over uh, half of the world's um, oil output, global uh, oil output. And uh, um, a distinctive feature of uh, our Polish residents was their talent, was their enthusiasm, their devotion. Um, three architects, chief architects of our capital city of Baku, Płoszko, Gosławski uh, and uh, Skurevich were chief architects uh, of uh, Baku of Polish origin. Uh, another important personality, Ignacy Krzysztalowicz, was the chief architect of the second biggest city of Azerbaijan, Genge. Uh, we still can admire beautiful Polish Catholic uh, kościoles, uh, churches built by exiled Polish soldiers in uh, Zakatala and Gusar. And as uh, later, as we proclaimed ourselves Azerbaijan Democratic Republic, the first secular uh, Muslim country in the world and in the Turkic and uh, Muslim world, um, key figures of our political elite were representatives of Polish origin, such as as General Maciej Sulkiewicz, the chief of uh, the staff of Azerbaijani army. Many intellectuals like Professor Rozumovsky, the first rector of the first university in Azerbaijan, famous engineers Glinitsky and Pototsky, who uh, discovered the first ever 
offshore oil production method in BBA Bat uh, near Baku. So um, the list is very long, and we're very happy that the Polish um, uh, people have contributed uh, to the amazing richness of Azerbaijan's culture, architectural thought, uh, military science, education, and this is a very solid foundation for, uh, has been a very solid foundation and is a very important uh, ground for our future and present and future interaction. Speaking about present interactions, what is the current status, state of political economic cooperation between Poland and Azerbaijan? Last year, we proudly celebrated the fifth anniversary of strategic partnership between Poland and Azerbaijan and 30th anniversary of establishment of diplomatic relations. Azerbaijan is a key partner for Poland in the region of South Caucasus. We are the biggest country of the South Caucasus region based on our demographics, economic potential, uh, territory, area, and the role, specifically the role in connecting East and West, bringing together Europe and Asia. And uh, Poland has always been supporting Azerbaijan's territorial integrity, independence, and we have managed to, by signing this declaration, uh, the fifth anniversary of which we celebrated last year, the declaration, the joint declaration on uh, the roadmap to strategic partnership and economic cooperation, we increase the level of our interaction to the level of uh, strategic partnership. And this envisages um, a high-level dialogue on a regular basis on issues of mutual interest. Also, uh, along with that, goes the economic agenda. Um, just this February, uh, we welcomed into Azerbaijan uh, the group of uh, representatives of the Polish government and business uh, for the um, eighth session of the Intergovernmental Economic Commission. Um, a, a week later, in Baku, again, we hosted a very important meeting of the working group on transport between Poland and Azerbaijan. Last uh, summer, an MOU was signed between the port of Gdańsk and the port of Elat in Baku. By the way, this is also the biggest port on the Caspian, and uh, the first director of that port was also Polish, Engineer Patotsky, uh, whom I mentioned a little while ago. Uh, also... Uh, there is an interaction between free economic zones in Poland and Azerbaijan. We are very much interested in Polish expertise. Azerbaijan is uh, part to Polish business hub initiative that um, invites IT specialists uh, here in Poland and creates favorable conditions for their work here. Also, um, we are happy to say that the investment agencies of Poland and Azerbaijan are cooperating together. And... Um, the liberation of Azerbaijan's territories have uh, opened up new prospects for our partnership because all those regions have amazing opportunities uh, in agro-processing, in tourism, in culture, in uh, uh, mining of natural resources, in transportation. And we believe that Polish companies have uh, this expertise. And uh, currently, um, there are 27 Polish companies that operate in Azerbaijan in the field of construction, trade and services. And we're looking very much forward to increasing uh, the uh, number of these companies uh, that would be interested in investing in Azerbaijan or uh, finding partners in Azerbaijan. You've mentioned the role of Azerbaijan in connecting West and East. Due to Russian invasion of, uh, on Ukraine, some connections that were established previously uh, between European Union and China, for example, uh, road connections, uh, railways, um, 
are not no longer usable to the degree they were usable before. Do you think that Azerbaijan can become a part of this new Silk Road connecting Central Asia and China with Europe? In fact, Azerbaijan has always been uh, part of the historic Great Silk Road. And uh, um, through the caravans in medieval ages uh, and the whole um, history of Azerbaijan. And if you travel across different regions of Azerbaijan, you would find so many beautiful historic buildings like caravansarais that hosted travelers across, uh, you know, Eurasia. But uh, since our independence um, in 1991, we have uh, started investing heavily in upgrading our infrastructure because the strategic location of Azerbaijan is a fact. It's a reality. It's a historic reality and the current present day strategic reality. But we we had to um, underpin it, strengthen it with uh, practical policy actions. And we started investing in our infrastructure. As a result, we built a very important uh, missing link between Europe and Asia, the Baku-Tbilisi-Kars railroad. That is 1,000 kilometers shorter than alternative routes. And it runs from Baku to Georgia and uh, Turkey. Uh, Also, we uh, built... uh, I would say, brand new uh, port, upgrading the the older one. So we transferred it to some 65 kilometers south of Baku in the district of Alat. That port is the biggest on the Caspian Sea. Azerbaijan increased the number of its commercial maritime fleet. We have the biggest fleet on the Caspian Sea. Also, we established the Trans-Caspian International Transport Consortium or and route, uh, TITER, together with Turkey, Georgia and Kazakhstan. And this route, oftentimes referred to as the middle corridor, has caught the EU's attention. And in the current difficult geopolitical situation in the region, more and more shipping companies from European Union member states, including Poland, are increasingly using this route that connects China with Europe across Kazakhstan, across the Black uh, Caspian Sea, Azerbaijan, uh, further uh, Georgia and Black Sea, um, ports of uh, uh, Bulgaria and Romania, further to the European Union. So we see this amazing potential there and we believe that it's in the interest of the European Union uh, to be interested and in promoting this route. Also, the, um, the so to say, the unification of common tariffs, the creation of soft infrastructure for all these cargo uh, to pass smoothly across this route for us is a priority. That's why um, very recently the key um, representatives of respective government agencies from Azerbaijan, Georgia, Turkey and Kazakhstan came together uh, to uh, agree on uh, very important policy decisions. And we believe that in the longer term perspective, this is also important because that creates an opportunity for integration of regional economies and uh, has a positive spillover effect on our common trade, common economic policies. And last but not least, with the liberation of the territories of Azerbaijan, the prospects of opening the Zengezur corridor uh, is also a very promising one for um, every single country in the uh, in the vicinity. This is also something that uh, can offer additional benefits to our European partners. Speaking about Europe and China, is Azerbaijan 
um, oriented more towards the east or the west where are the most important goals of international cooperation of Azerbaijan? Um, to put it in just one sentence, I would say that we are a European nation with an oriental flavor. And I'll uh, develop this um, idea further. Uh, the foundation of pragmatic and multi-vector policy, foreign policy of Azerbaijan, uh, were laid down by the national leader of Azerbaijan, by uh, uh, the previous president, Heydar Aliyev, whose um, centennial birth anniversary we are proudly celebrating this year. Because this pragmatic policy um, was uh, driven by the fact that you have to cooperate with your neighbors based, first of all, on your national interests, but also respecting your neighbors' interests and um, providing an opportunity for all of you to come together uh, for the common good and for the benefit of all your of all uh, of your respective peoples, and um, Azerbaijan uh, has been a very and is a very uh, strong partner uh, of the European Union, is a very strong partner for NATO. Uh, we. Um, between 2012-2013, had a successful uh, membership at the UN Security Council. Um, for quite a long time, we have been uh, the chair of the non-aligned movement. And you know that that's a political platform uniting 120 countries. This is the second biggest platform in the world after the United Nations. And it's uh, the view of uh, NAM, non-aligned movement's member states, that Azerbaijan's chairmanship instilled dynamism into NAM activities. And one of the most successful um, ideas and endeavors of Azerbaijan uh, was uh, the uh, convening of the United Nations General Assembly special session on fighting COVID pandemic. And at the same time, since 2009, we are a member of an organization that's called the Organization of Turkic States, the biggest regional platform that unites Turkic countries, which are uh, the members are Turkey, uh, besides Azerbaijan is Turkey, Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, Kyrgyzstan, and uh, Turkmenistan and Hungary are observers, because this is a very important region also for the European Union the region of Central Asia. And Azerbaijan uh, serves as a natural bridge and a gateway for the European Union to reach uh, the um, Central Asian market. And the EU policies in the region, we believe, can be long-lasting and can have a long-lasting positive effect through interaction with Azerbaijan. So in that sense, uh, for us, uh, our foreign policy is based on the mutual respect towards our partners on the supremacy of international law, on the importance of uh, supporting each other's territorial integrity, inviolability of the international recognized borders. And that's why we enjoy uh, um, respect towards ourselves and we're viewed as a reliable partner, not only for the West, but also for the East. European Union, what are the main fields of your cooperation with the European Union? The energy sector has been a pivotal element of our interaction with the European Union. Um, since 2011, uh, there is an understanding within the European Union of the importance of Azerbaijan as a strategic energy partner of the European Union and as one of the enablers of the European energy security. This document was signed in 2011 uh, by the president uh, of the European Commission at the time, Barroso, and uh, President Ilham Aliyev. Later, that feeling was underpinned 
and uh, highlighted once again when just last June, July, um, the current president of the European Commission, Ursula von der Leyen, uh, traveled to Baku to sign another important MOU on Azerbaijan's role as a strategic partner of Europe in the field of energy. Because right now we account for 4.3% of uh, EU supply in oil. In gas, uh, Bulgaria, as of this year, Hungary, Romania, um, Greece, Italy are recipients of Azerbaijani gas, besides our traditional partners like Georgia and Turkey. And we know that uh, countries uh, uh, in the uh, EU, uh, not only EU member states, but European countries like Albania, Serbia, uh, Bosnia and Herzegovina, are very much, Montenegro, are very much interested in receiving Azerbaijani gas. Because we believe that um, supplying gas volumes through alternative uh, and uh, reliable routes is very important for the EU energy security. And the key project here and the key initiative is the Southern Gas Corridor, which is a reality. And this is a 3,500 kilometer long pipeline, a dedicated one, that runs all the way from uh, Sangachal in Baku to Puglia in Italy. And all the countries along the road, many of the countries that are willing to do so benefit. Also, uh, last December in Bucharest, uh, there was a very important uh, celebration of a next level of partnership between EU and Azerbaijan in the field of green energy. Because we in Azerbaijan uh, also possess 157 gigawatts of uh, alternative energy power in solar and wind uh, offshore in the Caspian and onshore 27 gigawatts of um, solar and wind power. In fact, for uh, for the um, potential in the uh, in the w- in the wind potential, um, Azerbaijani sector of the Caspian Sea ranks second in Europe after the North Sea. And this is a tremendous potential that can be helpful for the European Union. So this project uh, is called the construction of a maritime electricity cable under the Black Sea, uh, transporting electricity generated green energy in Azerbaijan, uh, uh, across Georgia, then the Black Sea, and then Romania, and then further to the European grid. And the EU, as well as the World Bank and the respective governments of Azerbaijan, Georgia, um, Hungary, and Romania are uh, dedicated and are committed to turn it into reality. So uh, the feasibility study is right now going on, and we are very confident that we will finalize it soon to be able to provide energy yet, uh, Europe with yet with another source of energy, green energy. With the European Union, we have different uh, platforms for cooperation, dialogues. Uh, uh, The dialogue in the field of economic development, trade, investment, security dialogue. And let me also say that the EU uh, rightfully views Azerbaijan as as its uh, biggest partner objectively in the South Caucasus region. 80% of European Union's trade with the region of South Caucasus is Azerbaijan. 900 European companies are active in Azerbaijan. Last year, our trade turnover was 21 billion euros. So far, 35 billion euros have been invested in Azerbaijan's economy uh, by the European companies. So these developments have uh, advocated for a much higher level of interaction between EU and Azerbaijan. And that's why we are right now negotiating a brand new agreement. Uh, the working name of it is the Comprehensive or Strategic Partnership Agreement. And we're very confident that we'll finalize this agreement soon. 
you said that it's very important to have good relations with your neighbors. However, there is one Azerbaijani neighbor uh, with whom the relations are rather tense, I would say. Um, of course, I'm speaking about Armenia. But uh, recently, especially since uh, the Russian invasion on Ukraine, we've been observing a certain shift in Armenian policy towards the US, towards the West. Do you think it will be possible, maybe thanks to this shift in Armenian policy, to achieve a sustainable and lasting solution to Azerbaijani-Armenian conflict? We uh, do not call it conflict any longer. For us, uh, the conflict was over when Azerbaijan restored its territorial integrity in 2020. And uh, this opened uh, a way both for, I guess, for Armenia and Azerbaijan to engage in um, building interstate relations between our countries. As far as Azerbaijan is concerned, immediately after the restoration of our territorial integrity, we began um, engaging into post-conflict rehabilitation, reconstruction and reintegration effort. And what do I mean uh, by that? Let's not forget that the 30 years of occupation of our territories by Armenia left almost 20% of my country's territory uh, outside uh, my government's control. And now we have a historic chance to reintegrate these areas into the economic space, political, economic, cultural space of Azerbaijan. And these 20% of Azerbaijan's territory that used to be occupied were home for uh, 750,000 ethnic Azerbaijanis. All of them had to flee for their lives when the territories were occupied. Plus, let's not forget that uh, uh, at that time, 250,000 Azerbaijanis were expelled and had to flee for their lives from Armenia. So together, I currently, uh, as Azerbaijan, have one million internally displaced people and together with refugees. So it is 10% of my country's uh, population. And we have to um, create conditions for them to get back to the places of their origin. But nothing is left from their previous lifestyles in these cities. Everything is in complete ruin. ruin. And Armenia, during the occupation, planted 1.5 million landmines in these areas. 18,000 facilities, schools, hospitals, houses have been demolished or destroyed. So we are very much interested in the long-lasting peace in the region because we have to invest in these areas to make it possible for the people of this uh, area, for our citizens to get back to this area and live in safety and dignity. And uh, after the war, we had some hopes that the Armenian government I would be uh, willing to negotiate in good faith because let's be open about it. For us, that was a liberational war. For them, that was an occupational war from day one because physically the Armenian army, the troops were on the sovereign territory of another state, Azerbaijan. So now that the factor of war is not there any longer, we propose to them five principles based on which we said we are ready to negotiate the new peace treaty. In fact, the peace treaty, because we don't have any diplomatic relations with Armenia. And these principles, I guess, are very, very logical and pragmatic. 
Mutual recognition of respect for sovereignty and territorial integrity and inviolability of international recognized borders and political independence of each other, mutual confirmation of absence of territorial claims against each other, obligation to refrain from undermining the security of each other, delimitation, demarcation of the state border, establishment of diplomatic relations, unblocking of transportation and other communications and building new other communications as uh, as appropriate. So we uh, were very sincere in our approach to these negotiations. But unfortunately, what we have seen for the last three years is um, once Armenia uh, tries to uh, persuade the world that it makes one step forward, in reality, it oftentimes makes two steps back. And um, they uh, resort always, oftentimes, to the um, provocations to derail this peace process. Every time when we negotiate a certain um, opportunity to meet and discuss, um, you know, they initiate a provocation like the one that happened two uh, days ago and uh, as a result of which uh, three military servicemen of Azerbaijani army were killed and four wounded. Um, Armenia, unfortunately, continues to plant landmines in the areas where the Russian peacekeeping contingent is deployed in Khan Kandy and in the vicinity. And in the last uh, two plus years, um, we discovered 3,000 landmines recently planted by Armenia and produced in Armenia since 2021. Uh, we consistently said that we are ready to integrate the um, citizens of Azerbaijan, of Armenian origin, who live in Khan Kandy in the Karabakh economic zone, into the economic constitutional space of Azerbaijan. And uh, because of the demands of Azerbaijan or the conditions of Azerbaijan to negotiate a treaty with Armenia are based strictly and exclusively on Armenia's and Azerbaijan's commitments under international law. So these are the commitments that both parties signed up to. And we just want uh, the international community to explain it to Armenia and uh, to uh, urge and persuade Armenia to sit in, uh, at the negotiation table and negotiate in good faith, because this will only bring uh, future stability, uh, predictability and prosperity for the entire region. Let's move to another maybe controversial or difficult question. Some organizations such as Amnesty International have expressed their concerns about the human rights in Azerbaijan, including arresting a number of journalists what is the situation in this regard? For me, this is not a controversial question. For me, this is uh, explicit targeting of Azerbaijan by certain uh, human rights organizations uh, that have been uh, silent for the last 30 years when one million Azerbaijanis were deprived of their fundamental rights, the right to uh, live safely, in dignity, security, as a result of occupation of Azerbaijan's territories. And But we are ready to uh, you know, engage in a dialogue. Uh, let me share with you some interesting figures. In Azerbaijan, uh, we have uh, 5,100 officially registered media outlets. Uh, this, uh, in Azerbaijan, 80% of population has access to internet. Uh, furthermore, uh, with the last amendment to the uh, law on taxation, uh, media outlets... Uh, for the coming three years are exempt 
from paying any profit taxes, including taxes on profit they generate as a result of placing certain commercials. I don't think there are many countries in our region or in the European Union that uh, have offered a similar opportunity to media outlets. And let me highlight here, we don't talk about government media outlets. We talk about every single media outlet in Azerbaijan. As far, the, as, as, far as the NGOs are concerned, we have 4,000 848 NGOs that operate in Azerbaijan. 314 of them are exclusively focused on human rights issues. State registration for NGOs is not a mandatory thing. This is just a voluntary decision by any specific NGO. Certain activities or criminal cases or administrative offense cases that were launched um, vis-a-vis certain people, uh, they were not based on their journalistic profession. This is really very important to highlight. And many of these cases included embezzlement, different corruption cases, financial issues, because we believe that everybody is equal before the law. And uh, if any offense is committed, then a certain penalty has to be borne. But when it concerns, for example, censorship, Azerbaijan was first in the post-Soviet space to uh, cancel, to revoke the censorship principles. And in that sense, for us, the pluralism of opinions, the freedom of journalism, the freedom of assembly, the freedom of speech is absolutely important because we understand that it is the prerequisite for building a resilient, stable civil society in every country, also including in Azerbaijan. That's why we are part and party to the leading European legal instruments in the field of human rights protection, United Nations mechanisms. We do reportings, we do engage in dialogues. So we're very open about these uh, issues. And we believe, truly believe, that uh, these issues uh, uh, have already been respectively um, targeted, I would say, addressed in all of our respective legislation across the board in Azerbaijan. For us, it is important. I will continue working along this lines. Well, I think we would all like to be exempted from the taxes uh, <laughs> as journalists. Uh, one last question. A question we've mentioned a few times. War in Ukraine. Russia's war of aggression against Ukraine. What is the attitude of Azerbaijan? Um, does Azerbaijan help Ukrainian refugees? Is, it, is there any help uh, being sent to Ukraine? Let me start by saying, and I guess I will surprise uh, many of your uh, audience uh, members, uh, let me start by saying that in the post-Soviet states, if you exclude the Baltic countries, which are NATO and EU member states now, Azerbaijan ranks the first in terms of its assistance to Ukraine. Relationship between Azerbaijan and Ukraine are very long-lasting and we have a very long history of traditional strategic partnerships and friendly relations. That's why the, uh, the relations are based on recognition of each other's territorial integrity. This has always been the case. This will always be the case. And that's why, for us, this is the cornerstone of our interaction with our Ukrainian partners. Uh, uh, when... Um, the war began uh, on February 24th. The next day, February 25th, President Zelensky called my president. And the day after, 26th of February, the first batch of humanitarian assistance, medical supplies, goods, uh, uh, were provided by Azerbaijan to Ukraine through Zheshov 
and later Warsaw airports. Uh, Ukrainian kids who lost their parents, they uh, have been invited to Azerbaijan for treatment, for rehabilitation. They spend time in summer um, resorts on the Caspian Sea, uh, in winter resorts in the mountains. They received psychological uh, therapy and rehabilitation assistance. The state oil company of Azerbaijan, Sokar, has a very strong presence in Ukraine. From the first days of war, um, on the um, based on the uh, approach and request of the Ukrainian side, Sokar has provided free of charge um, fuel to ambulances and uh, um, emergency situations, uh, situation you know, services cars. Also, they have uh, um, gas stations uh, all across Ukraine, so they provided uh, non-stop unimpeded access and hot water, hot food, um, uh, electricity uh, for all those people who would benefit from these gas stations. Also, um, right before Christmas, we sent um, a big number of um, electricity transformers and uh, um, generators to Ukraine. Um, and in that particular, uh, also in um, Irpeng, uh, school number 12 was uh, restored and renovated by the state oil company in Azerbaijan, uh, of Azerbaijan, and the kids have a chance to study there now. Uh, not only the government of Azerbaijan, but also sister cities, uh, sister, sister cities of Ukrainian uh, towns and cities in Azerbaijan have uh, uh, jumped in with their uh, assistance and ordinary citizens of Azerbaijan, uh, business community, uh, NGOs, they have all engaged in assisting Ukraine, in supporting Ukraine. And let me also highlight uh, that we're very grateful to the Polish people, to the Polish government, to local authorities for hosting our refugees, Azerbaijani refugees from Ukraine in these difficult times, and for also helping us by providing uh, the airports in Zheshov and Warsaw for goods to be transported to Ukraine. At the same time, the airport in Katowice for passenger flights to be able to evacuate our citizens from Ukraine into Azerbaijan across Poland. So in that particular respect, we uh, are very much grateful to the Polish people and for their warmth and for the hospitality. Is there anything you would like to add to say to Polish listeners and others if there are? Absolutely. Um, first of all, I'd like to thank you for the wonderful opportunity to present my country's view on certain issues of regional and global importance. And at the same time, um, uh, let me highlight that as of last May, um, LOT Polish Airlines um, has uh, five times a week flights to Azerbaijan. I believe this is a wonderful opportunity for our Polish friends and also for um, uh, um, any of our friends all over the world to be able uh, to have a chance to visit Azerbaijan, to see uh, that beautiful country, the very uh, hospitable and friendly people, uh, to immense themselves in Azerbaijani music, carpet, cuisine, and at the same time, for ex especially for my Polish friends, to discover the amazing Polish heritage in Azerbaijan, which is the biggest in the South Caucasus. So, zapraszamy. Thank you very much. I hope I will go there one day. <laughs> Thank you. I really hope so. And it would be a lovely experience, I can assure you. Thank you. Dziękuję. This was the Political Periscope. The podcast is released every Thursday at 7 p.m.